Words we live by. Um, my question for all of us is, what is your hiding spot? Where, where do you like to hide things of value? I remember years ago, um, I won two tickets at a Christmas party to go to an NHL hockey game. Now, this was back when I was 18 years old, and up until that point, I have only been to one hockey game, and I was so pumped. I was so excited for it. Um, this game was four months away, but that did not matter. This was exciting, particularly because as an Edmontonian fan, I had the right and the privilege to cheer against the Calgary Flames. And so, I was ready to do that. So, um, uh, so growing up in Edmonton, I then went to my parents' place um, for, uh, my, for Christmas and all of that. And on, in the process, I packed and tucked those precious tickets nicely into my sock drawer. Um, so what's in your sock drawer? What's the kind of space that you like to put things of value? Of course, you would put socks in a sock drawer, but you might also put some important documents, some little treasure you don't want other people looking for. Uh, there's a ridiculous TV show, and in this show, they have this banana stand at the beach. It sold frozen bananas, kind of like an ice cream stand, um, just worse. <laughs> A lot worse. And the owner had this phrase, there's always money in the banana stand. And everyone just couldn't figure out why he put so much of hope in this silly frozen banana business to come through for the family. Until one day, the son decided that the frozen banana business is just not working very well and is getting in the way of progress. Or something like that. I don't quite remember all of the details. But what I do remember is that they burned it down, and they no longer needed it. And so they go and they tell the father this news, and the father, in shock, stares at them and says, son, there's money in the banana stand. It's like, well, it's gone now. Don't worry about it. We'll put our efforts anyways, uh, elsewhere. You don't understand. There is money in the banana stand. There was 250 thousand dollars lining the walls of the banana stand to which the son is like um well i wish you had been clearer and he's like how could i be any clearer there's always money in the banana stand anyways i i thought it was hilarious <laughs> but uh whether it's um the cookie jar or under the mattress uh inside the lid of the old playstation if you come to my house just ignore the playstation um there is this instinct for us to wrap something of immense value and hide it in something seemingly mundane things like in an effort to keep it secret to keep it safe uh it's so precious um we don't want it stolen destroyed or abused so what better way than hiding it in the old sock deep in the sock drawer? In today's passage, uh, Paul uses a similar cultural picture. Um, not a banana stand or a sock drawer, but clay jars. Um, and so here's my question for us. Is Paul's analogy of the treasure in clay jars like the banana stand? It certainly might seem that way. Or maybe something else is going on. Um, how we answer this question, 
how we work through this um, will determine how we live our lives. I'd like to invite Albert up. And now Albert is the one who submitted uh, this passage, 2 Corinthians 4, 6-9, to um, for our sermon series. And so he's going to share a little bit about the value of this passage in his life. Thank you. Hi there. Uh, my name is Albert Sage. And uh, yeah, today's scripture is found in 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to read from verse 6 through to 10, but I think Trent's concentrating on 7 through 9. Um, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory and display in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. So, um, saying you have a favorite scripture is kind of like saying you have a favorite child. So, I have a favorite firstborn son and a favorite firstborn daughter. And as a kid growing up, my life was filled with uh, swimming, bike riding, exploring with my friends. And in the wintertime, it was sledding, playing in the snow, and skiing. Um, It was a very uh, uncomplicated, happy time. But, uh, and there's always a but, I was very shy. And I didn't receive a lot of positive attention I didn't think uh, too highly of myself. Uh, in other words, I, was, I just thought I was an ordinary guy. On July 14th, 1978, I became a Christian. <clears throat> so, one of the first scriptures I read was this one. 2 Corinthians uh, 7 through 9. And I realized what had happened to me, that I had this treasure. I had this treasure inside, this ordinary guy. It was the light of Jesus. In high school, I had done a little bit of work with uh, um, clay um, on the wheel, making pots. And I understood the fragility of the jar of clay. And how much pressure has to be on the inside going out so that when you bump that jar, it doesn't break. And when you drop it, it doesn't explode. And that's what was inside of me. This ordinary guy. And especially in my early formative Christian years, that was a lot. And now in this last year and a half during COVID, it's meant a lot because we've been pushed together, we've been pressed, we have been dropped, we have been persecuted, and we're still here. Thank you.
Albert. Um, I know that you are not alone when it comes to finding encouragement from this verse and, and just even the year that you've had. Um, I don't know about you, but this past year, with all of it, just all the chaos, the storm of opening, closing, opening, closing, do I go there? Can I go there? Do I have to go here? All of the fears of health, the frustrations of a politically charged atmosphere and world, it got easy for me to start locking things away in my heart. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. Like, I slowly felt this constant tension to pull away, to retreat, to withdraw, to disengage, and to preserve what little energy I had left. I don't know if that's resonating with any of you, but some of you might feel like a shell of what you once were. Now, maybe today you're feeling great. Maybe today is a good day, and I am excited for that, and I praise God for that. Now, is, that, is the current mood based on circumstance, or is it based on faith? Um, does, how, how fickle and easily moved are these feelings in our lives? And so for me, that's a struggle. Now, those tickets, I want to go back to those hockey tickets. I go back... Um, after my parents, after the vacation, I get back to school, winter semester starts, the winter semester moves forward, gets to near the end of the semester, and the thought pops into my mind. The tickets. Yes, the time has come. I open up the sock drawer, and they were expired by one month. The game was over. I had missed it by an entire month. I was... So sad, like this poor 18-year-old kid that could never afford hockey tickets on his own, and he wins this prize by being ridiculous at a, at a, at a party, and I lost them. I hid them so well that, that I forgot about them. They just got tucked away, and they were pieces of paper. I remember looking at them being like, Trent, you idiot, <laughs> to tear them up, throw them in the garbage. <clears throat> so here's what I'm struggling with, and perhaps this will resonate with some of you. And trust me, I'm saying this first to myself, and then I'm inviting you all into this with me. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have accepted God's gift of salvation, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Right now, in this very moment, today, you hold within your heart the answer to the problem. What problem? The problem. All of the problems. You carry within yourself this perfect and beautiful and good news. The spirit of the living God who is a deposit in your heart, proving that the kingdom of God has come and is coming, that hope is real, it is powerful, it is true, where life can be renewing, and we can do this. We all know these things, and yet we feel deflated. We feel diminished. We feel that the problems look bigger than the answer. And you just kind of, it's like you, you're in, there's hurdles in front, and you're just not jumping high enough, and you just keep knocking and falling into the hurdle and you get up and you keep running and then you knock into the next hurdle and you're like this is not how I'm supposed to run this kind of race. So 
So we have this challenge, we have this tension of knowing these things about our identity, about our reality, and yet feeling so beat up and small. Well, if you connect with any of that, and your heart is longing to maybe be filled with more love, more capacity to love, then this passage holds truth for us to apply today. The gift, the treasure in clay pots, uh, here's what we need to know. It is power and it is pressure. Um, We may not all want the life that the Apostle Paul had, but we all want the joy that clearly existed in him despite all circumstances. We want his endurance. We want what he's got. We want to know and even feel that even in, when we are hard-pressed on every side, we are not crushed, um, perplexed but not in despair, uh, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And so what, what is this treasure? Uh, what is in uh, this sock drawer? And how does it ensure that you are never destroyed. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, let's jump into it. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, um, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let's unpack this for a second. Now, many of us will know this passage. Many of us will hear hints to the Old Testament, to Old Testament, you'll hear hints of Genesis. In the beginning, with one word, out of nothing came light. Out of darkness came light. And in those words, all of creation came into existence. The same voice, the same voice that spoke light into darkness is the same voice that speaks light light into our dark hearts. The same power, the same power that brought light into darkness is the same power that fills our dark hearts. Do you grasp that? Do you understand that in this moment, when he spoke light into all of creation, that same voice, that same power has been at work in us. That we get to glimpse the glory of Jesus, the gl- glimpse the glory of God in Jesus. And without this light, it's darkness. Without this truth, in verse 4 earlier on, it says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And here's what this means, at least here's what this means for me that I'd like to encourage of all of us is that your new life in Christ, your new life in Christ is of the same magnitude as the earth being created. You are a walking miracle. This surpassing power is the very power of creation. The same power that said, let there be light is that power at work in your heart shining a light, creating knowledge and truth and understanding and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. The omnipotent one who brought forth light from total darkness. Do you remember the passage? There's the story of the lost sheep, the lost coins, and then the lost sons. 
And so we have this story in Luke 15. And as they go through each story, there's this little bit after where Jesus is kind of reminding us of the immense value. And this is one of the lines, Luke 15, 10, it says this, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. As I reread that and thought about the passage that Paul has given us, no wonder there was rejoicing in heaven. You were lost and dead in your sins. And when Christ found you and saved you, more than just salvation happened. A whole new creation took place. A whole new creation has been at work. Your salvation came at such a great price. And daily there is evidence of God's all-surpassing, all-powerful work in our lives. And now if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you do, you are not just being rescued from sin and shame, though that is an amazing thing. You are a new creation, a whole new creation. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you help us to understand and grasp this reality. And if this is the case, if this is actually what has been at work within us as Christians, this should lead us to treat our fellow Christians with reverence, with awe and celebration. Can you do this for me? Can you look to your neighbor? Just look to your neighbor. Yep. Look, look in their eyes. Look at their mask. Can you look to the other neighbor? You know, maybe someone else that's around you. Now you can look back up here at me. All of heaven rejoices because of this. Well, not me necessarily, but you know. All of heaven rejoices because of this. I mean, look at me. Look at you. Um, We are not radiating light. I am not glowing with the power of all creation. I'm, I'm me. I'm this. You're you. They're them. <laughs> it kind of doesn't feel quite like it makes sense that all of heaven would celebrate over the decision that you made years ago to follow Jesus. And yet here you stand as a new creation and all of heaven celebrates because of the decision that you made all those years ago. That's hard for us to grasp that all of heaven rejoices because of them, because of you. You are a new creation. You no longer have permission. Let me say this. You no longer have permission to look down on others or look down on yourself. When you look at yourself in the mirror, these are the words that you have to say. I am seeing the greatest treasure of all in you, in me. I have no time for shame. I don't need to be held captive to my past. I am new and I have the same power that was at work in Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead. The same voice that brought light from darkness is at work in me. I I carry this. Who am I to judge myself and say, no, I can't, or no, I shouldn't? 
If you're a Christian, if you have chosen to give your life over to Jesus, we don't have permission to decide those things anymore. God is the potter. He is the one who loves you. He is the one who's gone after you and has claimed you as his own. He has a call for your life. Let his light shine brightly. And this brings us to verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, right? To show the all-surpassing power, the all-surpassing power that is from God and not from us. So yes, when you look at each other and you look into each other's eyes, we see clay pots, we see jars of clay, earthen vessels, earthen vessels that are rebellious, fragile, frail, fading, sometimes filthy, finicky, fidgety, fickle. Yes, I had to throw in a pastoral alliteration. I felt compelled once I got into like the, into the sequence. So, but that is how we are. And when we look at ourselves, we have to admit that there is this brokenness amongst us and within us. So yes, that's at work. And yet, remarkably, God has entrusted the most valuable message of all time to live in the hearts of us, to live within us. This ragtag group of followers of Jesus are housing the spirit of God, the very treasure that reveals the glory of God. He chose to carry this in us. You know, and the power, the the potter has the power to shape, reshape, to form, to rework, and it's all for his glory. It's all for his glory. And it's my prayer that we would understand this, that we would be able to grasp that his affection for us can drive us to do and live, not from our strength, but from his strength. This image of the clay jars would have been familiar to the Corinthians. Um, Items of great value were often kept in clay jars simply because they were so common. They were so unobtrusive and inconspicuous. Um, And so it was not unusual for people to, in fact, wrap precious items and put them inside of pots because they would have them all over the place and then they might bury things inside of them. And so uh, this was an interesting note. It was, they were so common that even when they were broken, um, shards of clay pots were often used as post-it notes. They would use that for like, you know, the shopping list or different things like that. And I thought that was fascinating that they were so plentiful, so mundane um, that they were known. Now, as a Greek people living in Corinth as a Greek, they would have understood all of these things. They also would have heard hints of a popular philosophy and thought that kind of comes out of Plato, comes out of um, his thinking. That the common Greek understanding was that we really were just vessels, these like weak, lame, pathetic things, and that inside was the perfect true self. That our bodies were these filthy things, but the mind was perfect. The true reality was not physical, but was in the realm of ideas. Now, I'm not going to go off on some tangent of, you know, that kind of philosophy. Um, But, basically, what all of that says is that these Corinthians, they were hearing something from Paul. They were grasping an idea saying, yeah, 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 that makes sense. I understand this. I'm resonating with it. But... um, Like under the mattress, 
or in the sock drawer or in the walls of the banana stand. Though that kind of resonates with us, Paul is not saying what they thought and he's also not saying some of the things that we might be thinking as well. And here's the difference. Here's what's important. Here's the difference between this verse and Greek thought and the difference between this verse and the banana stand. First, this treasure is God's gift of his presence. It is not just some secret knowledge that if you can just learn enough or figure it out or get some right idea, everything is going to work out. It is the very living presence of God that illuminates our hearts and our minds and allows us to become aware of who Jesus truly is in the glory of God. That is the first point. The second is it isn't housed in us for safekeeping. The living spirit of God, the revelation of truth, is not just to be kept secret and private and saved for a rainy day. It is not to be kept secret and safe. This treasure is placed in a clay pot to obscure, not to obscure and hide the treasure, but to do actually the exact opposite. The safest place for this treasure is for it to be bursting out of its clay pot, for it to be leaking out of us, out of the top, out of the cracks, out of our brokenness, and this light shining brightly. That's exactly how this treasure is supposed to operate. This is the treasure that miraculously grows within us. This treasure grows within us when we give it away. When we let this light shine, it, bright, uh, it shines even brighter in our lives. Does that make sense? It's counterintuitive for us to think that if I give something away, I get more of it. But that's what happens with the gospel. That's what happens with love. That's what happens with this good news. The more we give it away, the more we find we have it within. The brighter it gets. We have this treasure in clays of jars to show, to reveal, to remind us and anyone that the all-surpassing power that is at work within us is not us, but it's from God. Our joy is to make this known throughout our lives and to the world. You may not believe it yet. You may not believe it yet, but this is in fact true. There is no greater joy. There is no greater joy than for us to make much of God. There is no greater joy than for us to celebrate the goodness of God by us being our true and full selves as followers of Jesus. When you are most yourself, God is most fully delighted. And this is hard for us to know. We know that in Matthew 5, uh, 14 to 17, uh, Jesus says these words, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so this is where we find ourselves. And you might be thinking, Pastor Trent, uh, you don't know my past, right? You don't know my mistakes. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know that, like the broken, hot mess that I am. And I can't let my light shine yet. 
I don't want to soil the name of Christ. I don't want to, I'll just get in the way. You need to let go of that thinking. You need to let go of that thought. Because essentially what, you, what I hear you saying when you say that is, I'm a clay pot, but I'm just a clay pot. And in fact, I'm a broken clay pot. And that is perfect. That is exactly where you are. That is exactly the moment right now where God is saying yes to you and saying in his mercy, he's like, I love you. Let my light shine in your heart through your brokenness, through the mess that you're in. Do not let your brokenness be an excuse for hiding the light. Church, we can't. We don't have time for that. We've got to get on with it. God is not holding your future hostage because of your past. Don't do it for yourself and don't do it to others. I hope this makes sense. Is this resonating with any of you? This treasure is both for our benefit and for the good of others. Your ordinariness is no reason to not let it out. Too many people say I'm undistinguished or I'm not this or I'm not that. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 shows us that that argument is wrong. God's purpose is to make sure that because of our frailty, because of our humanity, he shines brightly. This is actually an asset when we are honest with our brokenness, when we're honest with our normalness. And this brings us to verse 8 and 9 uh, and to the point, pressure. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Uh, Before Captain America was Captain America, he was this tiny, little, sickly guy. And at one point, he stood up to this bully in this back alley, and he gets into this fight, and he's just getting knocked down hard. It's hard to watch. It's awkward. It's like watching like a bear like hit a duck. It was just like, oh man, just stay down. Just stay down. But he would like get up and he'd be all like, I can do this. And he would just keep going. And then he has this moment in, in this like crazy frustrating, you're like, just stay down. Just stay down. He turns and he's like, I can do this all day. And you know He would try, but he can't do this all day. He will get knocked down eventually and will stay down. But he had such determination and such a force of will. And as the story continues, um, because he had the heart, he had that inner will, that inner drive to not quit, that he would never be pressed down completely. Um, That when they like gave him his like whole thing and he becomes this superhero, he now has the body to match the heart and he's basically unstoppable. And so there's this noble and heroic quality to uh, Captain America. Whether you like him or not, we cannot argue that while he had the muscles, it was his heart that kept the Avengers alive and fighting. So there's a bit of a cultural cultural jump, but it was true. It was his heart. And he had the muscles to match it, and that made him this like superhero. Paul takes it one step further for us. The power that is alive within us, this deposit and guarantee of eternity, has enough in itself that whatever happens to the body 
we, you, the new creation, with the Holy Spirit, alive within us, will never be struck down enough for the light not to shine out and shine forth and for us to live on. Captain America, he, need, he had the heart, but he needed the body. And what Paul is saying is the body, it's fragile and frail. Paul admits it just like Jesus uh, admitted to the disciples. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart I have overcome the world. Paul sees both in himself and in those around him human frailty. But the power within is so all-surpassing, so magnificent, so praiseworthy that nothing can keep him down. Nothing can stop him. Nothing will get in the way of this. All of this, that he has so much at work in his life that nothing can knock him down. If we let this treasure within us burn brightly in our lives, if we don't just keep it hidden but let the good news of Jesus out and reveal it to all, there's this internal pressure that grows, just like what Albert said, where there's this like inner pressure that allows the forces from the outside to not make the dents and the damage that it often can make. Have you ever seen something implode? Um, you, maybe you've watched some TV shows or you've watched movies when like, there's like deep sea divers and like, these like, capsules go deeper and deeper underwater until the force on the outside is greater than, than on the inside and it just like collapses. And they learn about these things and then they work hard to balance the pressure, right? They increase the pressure on the inside so that what's on the outside can't affect it. Essentially, this is what's happening with us as new creations with this treasure in our lives. This light that burns brightly within us, the gospel, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives can create a pressure that pushes on the outside that anything that comes our way, as great as they might be, as big as the problems might be, can never be greater than the pressure that's within us. This is the great honor and the great gift of us living in the Spirit. That we can shine in adversity. That we can glow brighter when things get darker. Church, we are a walking sign and symbol that there is hope. Every day, it's a gift for us to stir in in each other this passion and this hope. And I believe that today, even in this moment, that I'm praying that some of you are being encouraged that the gift that is in you can actually have the capacity and the strength to push out those problems that have been dominating your heart and your mind. The gospel of Christ is sufficient It will do what it can do. It is powerful. Everything in this world is designed to steal our light. Everything in this world is designed to strip away that internal pressure that the gift of God gives us. And we've seen this in good-hearted, well-meaning people who have allowed these worries, these privileges of life, their wounds to define them and in so doing cover up the gospel. We've seen philosophies, we've seen politics, we've seen theories replace the beauty of Jesus and his treasure in us. And I suppose here's the warning in all of this for us to take on, to to just be mindful of. You can choose to access 
and live out this great treasure that God has given you. You can choose to let the gospel get bigger and bigger in your life and push away those other elements, make the problems weaker and weaker and smaller. Or you can choose to define your life by something else. When we let our identity be defined by anything other than that we were created in the image of God and that as Christians we are a new creation, then we will lose internal, internal pressure. Things will collapse around us. The gospel isn't a security blanket. It is not a treasure to be kept secret and safe. It is the answer for a new life. It is a new mode of being. It is our way. It is the way. So what is this treasure? The very presence of the Holy Spirit shining His light in our lives, giving us the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And why is it in a sock drawer? So that God can be glorified. So that there's no confusion. Trust me, there is no confusion that when I do something good, people are like, oh Trent, good job. No, it's God at work. And I am so thankful that God is at work in my life and in your life. There's no confusion. And how does it ensure that we will never be fully destroyed? Well, first, this light is a deposit and guarantee of eternal life. And second, it creates the internal, internal and eternal, I suppose, uh, pressure to stand firm. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And as we, it's my prayer that we would apprehend this, that we would grab hold and that we would invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds to this truth, and that we would let the Holy Spirit direct us out of hiding and to, out of this preservation mode, and that, they, that Holy Spirit, you would launch us again into a season of active giving, active love, that we would not just hold dear and precious uh, the gospel, that we would let it out knowing fully that the more we give it away, the more it grows in our lives. Lord, the more we love, the more we have. Lord, may, us, may we not be afraid to live out your light, live as light shining brightly in a world that so desperately needs it. Lord, thank you that we are a new creation. And Lord, I just pray for anyone here, I just ask that if they have not yet said yes to you, that right now in their hearts, in their own minds, that they would give you glory and honor. They would say, Lord, be in my life. I choose you. I surrender my life. Jesus, be my savior. Lord, I just pray that if there is anyone here that is thinking those thoughts and wrestling through that, that they would surrender control and the management of their own lives into, the, into your hands. Lord, knowing, I know that as we let your light shine, it is a powerful defense against the pressures of this world. Lord, we need your gospel to get big in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen.